Fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> Well, you're tired. You're on the verge of sleep, which makes you in the perfect headspace for talking about this movie, which I think most people of our generation watched while we were on the verge of sleep. This is Sharks Cross Hollywood, and this is Halloween, and this is also a Nightmare on Elm Street. Let's talk about Nightmare on Elm Street, starring the inimitable John Saxon. Yeah, because he's in it. Like a whole, whole lot. I only say that because <laughs> in the credits, he gets top billing. Does he really? Yes. Well, I guess he was the most famous person in the movie at the time. Yes. At the time, John Saxon was the star, even though he's in it for Ten maximum five minutes. Yeah. We got a weird like opening credits thing with, it was it, it's in the box. It's in the little box. Why yeah. is it so small? Yeah, it's weird. They kind of raised, or rather they shrunk down the entire screen, lifted it up, and then ran the credits underneath. It. Yeah, it's weird. And I don't know, like, is there a reason? Like, are they trying to invoke, like, drive-through or drive-in movie iconography with some, with with the way that looks? Or well, what? my thought while it was happening was that Craven was trying to show you that this was taking place in the past. This was not part of the current story. This is the previous you know, like this is this is prior to the story. This is ancient history. This is before Nancy probably was even verbal. You know, like we're talking this this went on back when Nancy was was a little little kid. She had to have been alive though, because I'm I'm pretty yes. sure her mom wouldn't have given much of a shit if she didn't have a child yet. Yes, her mom says a bunch of us parents yeah. got together and killed him. So Nancy was clearly alive. But keeping in mind, when her and Tina are talking about it, Tina mentions that old jump rope song. And kids really only do jump rope songs from about four to nine, I'm going to say. So <laughs> Freddie had, Freddy had to be established by that time, right? Like Freddie had to be established lore in terms of, you know, like the Elm Street thing by the time they were in that range. Apparently Elm Street is never mentioned in this movie, which is weird. Do they not ever do like a like a street sign or anything like that? Nope, they show the numbers on the house and that's it. And there's no Elm Street ever mentioned. So that's kind of okay. weird. And the jump rope thing, that's one of the creepy... Uh, kids are creepy inherently <laughs> anyways. But when they're singing that song, I'll insert the audio because it's just too creepy to it's not. a classic it's a classic but i will say upon this viewing i realized it doesn't actually make any sense This was the first time Freddie was killing kids in their dreams. So why would they have a song about one, two, Freddie's coming for you? Okay, that makes sense because Freddie was a child killer. Three, four, lock your door. That makes sense. Five, six, grab your crucifix. I could see that because he's like maybe the devil he's incarnate. Like, yeah, maybe yeah. he's like evil. But seven, eight, better stay up late. Nine, ten, never sleep again. Those don't make sense because this is the first time Freddie's killing anybody in their dreams. Maybe those girls are from the future. Oh, shit, time travelers. Oh, that makes so much more sense now that you say it. Because you know how much of this movie makes sense? None of it, really. 
anyways, because there's there's no there's a backstory, but there's no like explanation on why he can do these things. Based on what we know from Freddy versus Jason, Freddy gets his power from the fear that people have of him. Right, but why does he have that power? Like why does why why can he all of a sudden invade people's dreams? I would guess it's probably partially explained in Freddy's Dead the Final Nightmare, which is the one in this franchise I have never seen. Because my understanding <laughs> is they actually do go back into Freddy's origins really? okay. in that movie, but I've still never seen that one. And I this is the only one I've ever seen. I think I've watched bits and pieces of New Nightmare. And obviously, I've seen Freddy vs. Jason. New Nightmare was, at the time I watched it, one of the best horror movies I'd ever seen. This one is, he's not quippy. He talks a little bit. He's not funny. He's scary. This is first generation Freddy. He didn't He didn't really become the Freddy we know and love until three. Well, so even in the second one, he's still actually scary? Yeah, he's still, he's, he's actually, in my personal opinion, even scarier in the second one. He does start using some of his quips, but they're not fun like in the third one it sort of becomes fun in the second one the second one is still super dark also the second one is my personal favorite of the sequels i think it's have you have you watched the documentary uh, scream queen no well because the movie's a gay metaphor in the documentary scream queen uh, which is the story of mark Patton, the star of nightmare on elm street 2 they're doing an exhibition of nightmare on elm street 2 and it's being hosted by a drag queen. And this drag queen says, you are about to watch the gayest movie that has ever been made. <laughs> and, and then he's like, and we watched, I can't fucking remember what she said, but it was something super gay. She's like, and we just watched such and such, you know, like two weeks ago or something like that. And it is, it's so gay. And it's fantastic. It's it's just an absolutely terrific movie. So the whole opening and the in the opening credits in that little in that little box thing is Freddie building his his iconic knife glove. Arguably as iconic as Jason's mask. At this point you almost can't have one without the other because of their weird connection That's fair. in cinema over the years. The awful tease at the end of Jason Goes to Hell and then the fucking whimpering payoff and fucking Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> Oh, Ronnie, you, you're never going to live that one down. <laughs> After that, we cut to the character Tina. She's running down like this creepy ass hallway. There's a goat for some reason because Freddy is not quippy at all, but he's still like fucking with people. Oh, no. Freddy fully gets off on the terror. Like that's what he I mean, that makes the most sense to me is that he derives his power and and coupled with the you know the ending of the movie the way tina or yeah. not excuse me nancy uh, nancy overcomes freddy it makes sense that freddy derives his power from causing fear like that is that is his whole motive is to scare the shit out of people and it makes sense to me that when they did freddy versus jason that was the angle that they came at it from you know is yeah, that, yeah. is that freddy lives on the fear he fully gets off on tormenting these kids he's not like the the killing is freddy is like the original freddy represents the original version of edging and then they're in the boiler room the fucking boiler room they're going to be in there about a hundred fucking times throughout this movie freddy's scraping his claws on everything lots of weird sounds down in this boiler room like all sorts of weird Weird sound. That is a great sound effect, the claws on oh, like God. steel pipes. He's just like an annoying child, like, oh, nails on a chalkboard. Then, you know, he pops up behind her, like, really, blah, and then he, <laughs> she wakes up. 
And her parents seem fucking fantastic. She wakes up screaming and the mom's like, hey, shut the fuck up. Not really. She's <laughs> like, you all right, man? Uh, what happened to your shirt? It must have been some dream. Now you either need to stop dreaming like that or you got to cut your nails. And then her boyfriend is this short little chubby dude in a wife eater's like, let's go back to bed. This guy has bar hookup written all over him. Oh, my God. But it's apparently. Hey, you coming back to the sack? Well, mom does have a boyfriend, I guess, because she goes out of town with him later. I don't know if it's him. That interaction is like, fuck, man. These kids never had a chance. No. And they're only 15, even though they look 20. I would buy it if they said they were like 17, but they're only 15. They're supposed to be 15? Yeah. On the news, it says 15-year-old Tina whatever. I maintain that it may have been a joke. I don't know. I have not heard Wes Craven or Heather Langenkamp's takes on this, but... (laughs) When she looks in the mirror and goes, God, I look 20. I look like I'm 20 years old. I'm like, get the she fuck was out 20, of here. Right? Like she had to be 20. <laughs> Around there, I imagine, yeah. You could tell by how big her teeth were. We're actually introduced to Nancy in the next scene, and I wrote down that this scene is the worst acting in the entire movie when you meet all four characters together where they're at school. I'm like, Jesus Christ, how did she beat anybody? <laughs> okay, this scene... This scene is admittedly pretty rough. Like, you need these scenes in the in these movies, because every one of these movies has this scene where you meet all the characters that are going to die. Yeah. This is, where, this is where you can see Wes Craven halfway between Last House on the Left, which Last House on the Left, for all the things it does right, characters and dialogue, get the fuck out of here. It that would, movie was terrible in that respect. That movie's not about that. No. That is about shock value and watching a lady bite off some dude's dick. Yeah. And... <laughs> It does it does the things it needs to do needs to do right right. But then you get Wes Craven directing a movie like Scream where the characters are fantastic. This is like him right in the middle. Even even like uh the people under the stairs. Oh yeah. No, you know what? Yeah. The people under the stairs was Which fantastic. was before that, obviously 1991, I believe. Yeah, but it was several years after this. It was yeah. that that actually is probably closer because this is probably closer to being right between Last House on the Left and people under the stairs and like he did shocker and shit in that time i've never too, seen shocker so shocker is just really this only not as good i mean i i'm aware <laughs> of the premise but except i think that guy like possesses people more readily than freddie does i always thought it was richard mall who was the killer in shocker though oh shit he does kind of look like him it's not though is it like on the cover he looks just like him and then i saw like some some actual still shots from the movie more recently i was like oh no he doesn't he doesn't actually look like richard mall from another angle but something about that that cover shot but now tina and rod are dating and he's like yeah i had a dream and i had a huge penis and your name was written on it and she's like my name is four letters long there's no way it could be written on your tiny penis and that just pisses (laughs) him off and now they're fighting i guess when he couldn't just say like fuck you let's go to class oh come on this guy's got this guy's got insecure about his masculinity (laughs) written all over him what does he say up yours with a twirling lawnmower (laughs) Very, that was very 80s. Very bad. Bad, bad. I mean, funny, but bad. I remember <laughs> kids in, in my school saying shit that was on that level in the 80s. The 80s was not a great era for insults. Insults no. didn't get really clever, for me anyway, until the 90s. We're going to make fun of our four teens. Oh, one of my least favorite actors is here. How about that? Johnny Depp, before he got all fucking weird and started <laughs> doing, like, mountains of cocaine and breaking his brain for, like, decades. Johnny Depp, yeah. It's so fucking weird watching him in this movie. Introducing Johnny Introducing. Depp. This is his first movie. And, like, he's fine. He checks the boxes in terms of he's good looking yeah. and he's charming enough. 
Yeah, and he's he's a blank slate in this he, movie. Like, pretty he much, had yeah. no fucking personality. I I have to agree with you. He he does not. If he hadn't become Johnny Depp, he would not stand out. No. Like what happened? It's so weird. Like what it what broke in his brain to make him like did did he meet Tim Burton and he's like you know what I think I got to be weird now. Well, I don't know. Before Tim Burton even happened, before his association with Tim Burton, he was already in 21 Jump Street. And, I mean, he was the heartthrob of 21 Jump You know, he was the good-looking, edgy guy. So, I don't know. He had de- he had developed something to make him a big star by the time him and Burton... You know, like, he was a big TV star. Well, yeah, he was on a, he was on a, a popular teen TV show. So, yeah. yeah. And he had, done, he had done that prior to doing his stuff with Tim Burton, which really started setting him on a path. I mean, like, undeniably. Yeah, I mean, like, Edward Scissorhands. Like, where did that, where the fuck did that come from? Like, looking at him back in 84. Well, I mean, that, but was, maybe but it's that like, was Burton's brainchild. Maybe it's like Heath Ledger, right? We're all like, oh, he can act and stuff, but... Yeah, nobody thought Heath Ledger was going to be what he ended up becoming. <laughs> but then, we, then he gets cast as a Joker, and we're all like, the fuck? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty wild. It, it, it's it's weird to go back and watch 10 Things I Hate About You and think about the the first time I saw it and like... Yeah, and then you you watch The Dark Knight and you're like, well, this is the same guy? That is so not the same person. Yeah. Like, there's something... Whew, Although I will, say, I will say Ledger was more charming in 10 Things I Hate About You than Johnny Depp is in this by a long shot. A million, That's because I think Johnny Depp doesn't have... In my opinion, he doesn't have much charisma unless he's playing a character and Heath Ledger was just a charismatic dude. Well, that script was also better in terms of the well, way yeah. the teens were written. The teen, the teens and ten things I hate about you were well written. They had like personalities and stuff. They're not just yeah. cannon fodder. Yeah. Not just we need archetypes so we can kill them eventually. And I mean, I I don't want to I don't want to try and reduce this to that. Like it's not it's not that it's not just that. But there is that element, you know, of like he's the good boy. Heather Langenkamp's the good girl, and then they have the bad boyfriend, and then they have the friend who who is in love with the bad boyfriend and so she's kind of like the you know the troubled girl yep we already met her mom and her mom is leaving her alone to go to fucking vegas or some shit with her boyfriend knowing that her child is having these fucked up weird dreams so she's just gonna be in this house alone maybe hurting herself who knows yeah so she asks the three of that well the two of them she asks uh nancy and glenn because they're good decent human beings to stay with her and then rod just ends up showing up but we get glenn is not a smart person he has this tape that his cousin recorded because he lives by the airport and he's like i'm gonna call my mom but i'm gonna spend no, no, the night no. here with you two girls no it wasn't because his, well his cousin does live by the yeah. airport but it wasn't something his cousin had recorded oh no it okay. was a yeah. sound effects tape which was something they did back then you could buy a tape that just had a bunch of rando sound effects on it and this one happened to have airport sounds <laughs> and i'm just thinking maybe he should have listened to it a little bit further than like 10 seconds before he called his mom yeah that's the problem is those sound effects tape would have like 10 seconds of one type of sound effect and then 10 seconds of a radically different type of sound effect and then 10 seconds of a radically different type of sound effect. So he just has to be like, oh shit, somebody's drag racing outside. Oh shit, there's an accident. I should call the cops. (laughs) He's like, don't worry, mom. It's it's okay. Uh, They can't get the thing to shut off. Like, okay, genius. That was a funny scene, though. You need to lighten the mood a little bit because this movie's dark as shit, actually. This actually 
gets way dark. Rod, then, of course, everybody's like, it's a horror movie, so we need the, what's going on outside? What is that? There's something outside. They all go and outside. And we hear that sound effect of Freddy's claws. Oh, the, and the scraping, the yeah. And it's fucking Rod. Of course it's Rod. It's five minutes into the movie, and they're not dreaming yet, as far as we know. I mean, I guess there are telltale signs when they're dreaming. It's really empty and quiet, and there's fog everywhere. And, and they're usually by themselves, or they're like like isolated from each other from this inner circle group except it really confused me later on when glenn is in nancy's room and she's dreaming and she's walking through the street and she's like hey you still here and he like pops up out of the bush and he's like yeah i'm here like what the fuck was that that was so weird what the hell's going on (laughs) that was dream logic that's the nice thing about dream logic is you can get away with so much that's true and west craven does exploit that rod comes to make up with tina and by make up i mean yeah they're gonna fuck he comes he comes to fuck tina and then you know they go upstairs and tina's like you guys don't leave don't leave me alone with this lunatic referring to her boyfriend and then glenn he starts kissing nancy and like kissing her neck and she's like dude stop we're here for tina now and glenn's like right fuck (laughs) she doesn't say it but it's all over him oh and then then we're also doing the rod goes well we'll take her mother's bed and you can have the rest of the house and then uh they're upstairs banging incredibly loud and it sounds like they're both faking it oh yeah absolutely there's no (laughs) way he's that good um, I'm sorry. No. And and there's no way he's enjoying it that much that he's got to be like, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and then Glenn's down there. He's just like, morality sucks. I wrote, I wrote that down. <laughs> yeah. And now they've also been discussing these nightmares that Tina's been having. And her and her and Nancy had a conversation like, oh, we saw the same guy like they tina described who she saw and then nancy's like oh shit that reminds me he was like he had knife fingers and shit and then eventually rod apparently had a nightmare and every time somebody brings it up glenn doesn't say anything but he has this look on his face tina gets woken up in the middle of the night right pebbles hitting the window and one of them like breaks through it like a fucking bullet hole it's really weird and then someone whispers her name and then there's the wall the wall stretch the wall stretch because nancy is sleeping in tina's bedroom that's a pretty great effect the the wall stretch you know the crucifix fucking falls down and then freddy like that little face in the hands like come out of the ceiling and it's really good effect it's all practical which is really cool which have you seen the remake no in the remake they do the same thing but it's all cgi, all CGI and yep. it looks like dog shit like, it looks like an effect out of Freddy versus Jason. It's that bad. This is where we get that weird effect because Tina's in an alley now and then Freddy comes around the corner and we get that weird effect with his arm stretching, which was apparently done with, like, fishing poles or some shit. Yeah, it looks really fucking weird. It looks really dumb, but it's a it, it's a dream. It's supposed to look weird and it's Freddy and then he chases her down the fucking... It scared the shit out of me when I was... He does all sorts of weird shit. Like, he gets a little jokey. He's like, hey, Tina, look. And then he takes his hand and then he cuts his fingers off, a couple of his fingers, and then green shit starts oozing out of him and then eventually he catches up to her and she's they're like wrestling and she rips his face off to reveal this like weird skull covered in like flesh thing with his eyes bulging out and, and it's cackling at her and then rod wakes up in the real world to basically see her getting like thrown all over the place and getting and all and the the four knife marks open up through you know in her stomach yeah it's it is pretty brutal what the hell's freddy doing to her in the dream by the way why is she up on the ceiling and shit he's like dragging her all around and slashing her chest open and shit it, it, it's a really effective scene like it doesn't it, it doesn't scare me at all nowadays but man when i first saw it i was uh i think i was 13 or 12 
when I first saw it. Yeah, it got me. It got me. At a sleepover, of course, because that's where we all watch. <laughs> that's what you did, yeah. On Elm Street for the first time. I don't think that shit happens anymore. Now the kids are just like, let's watch TikToks. Yeah, individually and on play our phones and play Roblox. <laughs> of course, Nancy and Glenn hear the screaming, so they go into the room and there's just blood everywhere. And Rod's gone. He, he's he's taken off at this point. Left out the window. Then we cut to the police station and Bill Bill Paxton. Jesus Christ, John Saxon. John Saxon comes in. <laughs> you know Bruce Lee's friend. <laughs> <laughs> yep, from uh, Enter the Dragon. <laughs> and he is Nancy's dad, and is he the chief? Interestingly, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but his deputy, like his second-in-command guy, is the chief of police from Scream. So Nancy's parents are divorced. And, yes. oh, he gets into he gets to the police station, and he's like, where is she? And it's like, no, like, oh, she, he's like, why was she there? And they're like, she fucking lives there, dude. So he's like, no, not her. I'm like, Wow, you're very concerned about this poor dead girl. <laughs> Not in the least. <laughs> He's basically pissed because the mom is apparently, she's a, she's a neglectful alcoholic. And Nancy was over at Tina's house with two men and no parents. But if she met, fu- if he met fucking Glenn, if he like knew him at all, he'd be like, it's fine. This guy's not getting anything she doesn't want to give up. And this is where I wrote Nancy is all teeth. Because it's the first Adorably time. Adorably like, so. Uh, she tells her parents about Tina's nightmare and how she just didn't want to sleep alone, and that's why she was over there. So it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Like, you just leave them alone. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I understand being a parent who's worried about your kids, and, you know, so, like, you maybe take certain things a little more seriously, you know, because you don't know. You don't know. And I get that, you know, they didn't, they, they didn't know what was up. But then, God, these parents are fucking weird the mom doesn't like put her foot down and say you are not fucking going to school nancy just goes to school the next day nancy's like but if i stay up in my room i'll go fucking crazy yeah like well maybe we should take you to another room where you can talk to somebody yeah no this was the 80s we didn't do that kids did not get that kind of help yeah honestly the sleep study was insanely progressive for the (laughs) 80s uh yeah so she's going to school despite the fact that her best friend was just brutally murdered the day before and there's some dude just kind of hanging out watching her and it never comes back and i don't know who it is and it's really weird what the fuck he was an agent of the police because they were following her to find nope thank uh, you what the fuck's his name that's right that's right rod shows up uh, as she's like looking at this dude and like you know covers her mouth takes her into the bushes and he's like "Ah, they're they're coming after me they're gonna kill me she's like did you do it he's like no i didn't do it there were fucking four knife blades and oh god what the fuck and then her dad pops up out of the bushes also he's like using her as fucking bait and he's like well you shouldn't have gone to school anyways strangely she's not stoked about this yeah it's weird right can't wrap my head around it but you know hey teenage girls am i right (laughs) and then she runs away and goes to goes to school and they're talking about shakespeare and her her teacher is the inimitable lynn shay yes of the conjuring fame very young here it's crazy i did not remember her being in this yes uh lynn shay is awesome I love her. She's the crazy mom in Detroit Rock City also. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, as we've said, discussed before, I have not seen it. I've only read the script, so. Oh, I that's right. Fuck, cast. dude. Get on that shit. I know. That's a fun I know, movie. I know. But she's great. Lynn Shea is fantastic. I love her. And she's falling asleep in class. Not the teacher fucking Nancy. Right. Of course, because Shakespeare's boring as balls, and I'm surprised any kid fucking stays awake <laughs> for that garbage. <laughs> and they're reading some... Is it from like Macbeth it was, or something? It was like, like Hamlet or Caesar, Julius Caesar, I think. Oh, Julius Caesar, and and it's this thing about how I would be free except that I 
dream or something like that. Yeah, I can't remember, but like, fuck off. Get the fuck out of here with this nonsense. They were teaching it back in the 80s, too. Jesus. <laughs> can't get away from it. It was thematically appropriate is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, she starts dreaming because she's, she's, she's sleeping. Yeah. She sees fucking Tina in a body bag and she's like, Nancy. So the dude reading Shakespeare starts to whisper and then everybody is like staring and he starts to drone. He yeah, starts weird. to talk. Like then everybody's staring this. blankly up at the front, and there's like a blood line through the hallway. And then Nancy, of course, goes to follow it. Then she runs into this weird chicken pigtails and a Freddy sweater, going, "You need a hall pass, bitch," or whatever the fuck she says. Because Freddy, Freddy hasn't taken to calling people bitches yeah, yet. Yeah, that hasn't become a, a distinctive part of his personality she eventually gets to a boiler room and there's freddie cutting himself this time on his stomach and this time maggots are falling out and shit it's pretty oh icky. it's so grody little so chase grody. yeah little chase through the boiler room and eventually she burns herself to wake up now i couldn't tell if she did this on purpose or if it yes. was an accident okay i thought yes, she, she did it on purpose but it was kind of it was definitely intentional the way it was cut was a little like Okay. Then she wakes up freaking out in the middle of class and the teacher's like, okay, you will call your mom. You can go home. She's like, no, no, no. I'm just going to go. I'm just, I'll go right home. I promise. She's like, okay, it's the eighties. Fuck it. <laughs> you're 15. You're basically an adult. <laughs> no, nobody actually cares. This is like peak serial killer time, but go ahead. It's true. In the eighties, nobody cared. The burn is real. Apparently she's like running her fingers through her hair, freaking out. And she sees the burn on her arm. She's like, what the fuck? Yes carried through so we learned something you can carry through things we're piecing it together then she goes and visits rod while he's in jail and he's telling her that someone else was there that night but he wasn't able to see anybody and she's like how the fuck did you not see anybody he's like i don't know man they just weren't there and that's when the cuts on her stomach were just appearing all four of them all at the same time rod is a bad explainer i'll say this he needs to learn to use his words i don't what do you think i'm some kind of fruitcake or something fruitcake didn't mean gay back then apparently it meant nut person yeah because fruitcakes are full of nuts and then it turns out that he all he has also had the same dream then we're gonna cut to one of the two iconic scenes from the movie uh which one's this this I'm one's the blanking. bathtub scene i agree the bathtub scene is peak nightmare on elm street i was gonna say it's this and then glenn dying so nancy's just hanging out in the tub she's i don't know what the fuck she's doing just just hanging out ready to fall asleep she's singing the freddy song is she actually singing it? Yes. Oh, my God. She needs to stop that shit. But she's ready to fall asleep, and the mom knocks on the door. She's like, hey, don't fall asleep. People die doing that shit. She's like, mom, leave me all fuck alone. Go drink, you fucking bitch. And then we cut to the shot of, you know, from in, be- from in-, like in between her knees going up to her face, and then Freddy's claw just, like, slowly pops up out of the water. Oh, no. that That was nightmare fuel is what that was. Well, for you, you have a thing about water, too, so that fucks you up pretty good. Yeah, big time. This is probably one of the contributors to my water phobia. So Nancy is falling asleep, like really falling asleep now. So naturally, Freddy's like getting her and he's like trying to drown her. And it's really creepy dragging her into the into this bathtub and it's all dark and shit. That is so fucking scary. Oh, my God. And then she's screaming, mom, mom, mom. And then her mom has to unlock the fucking door with a hanger. And I'm like, Nancy, stop fucking locking the door. What the fuck? She's 15 and her mom's a fucking drunk weirdo. And I get it. Mom unlocks the door. And just as Nancy gets out and she's like, I'm fine. It's cool. Like, dude, fuck off. Now you're just gaslighting your drunk mom. I get it. I get it. You know, teenagers, they don't want to explain what they're going through to their parents because their parents couldn't possibly understand. And in this case, her her mom wouldn't understand. She really genuinely wouldn't understand. Nancy just can't stay awake, even when she's watching something as great as The Evil Dead. And this goes back to to Sam Raimi and Wes Craven kind of fucking going at each other with their... (laughs) 
with their fun little jabs. It was at each definitely other. a friendly thing, though. He yeah. he thanks Sam Raimi at the end of the credits. If you oh no, I didn't I didn't see it. that, but that's yeah. awesome because yeah, the in in Evil Dead they had they had the last the. The hills yeah. have eyes. Yeah, the hills, ha- the hills have eyes was uh, they had a hills have eyes yeah. poster, and it was all and it was all ripped up and stuff, saying yep. like "fuck you, Wes Craven." <laughs> this is the real horror movie, and then they in here they had because because in in the hills have eyes there was a Jaws poster all ripped up saying like that this is real horror. So they were all yeah. all these filmmakers just like poking at each other, but then the Sam Raimi and Wes Craven one kept going. That was pr- that's pretty good because you're talking about two guys who really did redefine the genre multiple times each of them redefine the genre multiple times so you got these two these two genuine pioneers taking friendly pot shots at each other and it's pretty entertaining then there's glenn at her window and apparently he's a vampire because he's like can you just invite me in because he can't just be he can't just like go in this is where she goes oh my god i look 20 years old and get the fuck out of here your hair hasn't even turned white from the shock therapy or whatever yet it's not shock therapy but i always think it's going to be even though i know it's not (laughs) i genuinely think it had to be a joke because heather langenkamp really was 20 that that's i i haven't looked it up to see if that was her actual age but i'm convinced it has to be we'll that right to. 84 she was 20 fuck <laughs> i knew it i knew it so she's asking glenn about his dreams and he's obviously hiding something she's telling him all this stuff and every time they bring up the dreams he's like he just gets this far off look in his eyes he's like no no it's bullshit she she gives him a job she says you're gonna stay awake while i sleep and if something weird starts to happen you wake me up and he's like all right cool i will do that this only happens because she is still young enough to believe that a teenage boy wouldn't let her down <laughs> so so she ends up dream walking now she's like walking around out on the street and glenn's there too she's like are you still awake and he pops out and he's like yep he really does pop out like like freddie pops out from behind the tree earlier yeah, he you just know. like boop here i am <laughs> and then she goes to the jail in her dream and sees freddie come into rod's cell the effect of him walking through those cell bars is pretty good i gotta say i don't know how they did that one but it looks great she's screaming for glenn and she hears tina say her name and now bugs are crawling out of her like just oh, i don't oh, know if it's that's... just her mouth or if i blinked and there's are they coming out of her body too no there's are just a centipede like coming the out centipede of her mouth? comes out of her mouth and then there's suddenly this pile of disgusting intestine looking snakes crawling around her feet um but they don't really show you where they came from but they look so fucking gross and then, of course, fucking Glenn's asleep like an asshole. It's just teenage idealism is what it is. Like, they believe in each other, flying in the face of all logic. So she gets chased by Freddy. She gets back to her house, but the stairs turn into pudding or some fucking bullshit. Like, she's walking up the stairs and her feet are just, like, going through it. That is not a great effect. It could have been a really great effect if they hadn't had the next one lined up for her and have it very obviously with the the little spot of the like pudding or whatever but it is a dream so it could look weird and it's okay it's just a dream conceptually i like it i understand why they put in the work and did it i just don't like the way it came out some of the effects in this movie are amazing some of the effects look kind of bad and that's one of the bad ones she runs into her room she closes the door she's looking in the mirror saying he isn't real it's just a dream but then as soon as she says that he fucking dives through this mirror apparently it was the first use of a breakaway mirror in a movie that's what the trivia says interesting because that did look really good they roll around for a minute until her alarm goes off oh but he he had slashed the this pillow and there's there should have been feathers everywhere there's like one token feather in a minute and that's it well yeah i mean obviously she's not going to pull everything through with her 
like it was touching her and like technically he slashed it so and if he slashes things it's he can slash people in the dream i don't fucking know the rules are pretty fluid let's say that they're not exactly nailed down she lets glenn have it though she's like you son of a bitch for such a nice girl she kind of has a potty mouth She's like, you piece of shit. Uh, and then later she calls some dude an asshole. And I'm like, oh, I like her attitude. Her, you know, her mom comes in. He's like, you okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. Glenn just dives whatever. out into the rose bushes. And she's like, you stay here. You go out there, but you don't leave, motherfucker. They sneak out to the jail. And then we're gonna, we, we cut to Rod snoring. And his blankets are starting to move and kind of wrapping themselves around his throat. And then her dad's there. And he's like, you should be at home in bed. What the fuck? And she's like, you need to go check on Rod, dude. Because something weird's going to happen. He's like, he's fine. She's like, no. Do it. And then the dad's like, all right, you know, because you're my daughter and I love you. And he doesn't say that at all. But but that's kind of what, what the not impression a, that I'm getting. Not a lot of I love you's floating around this no. movie. No, none, almost. Well, between her and her mom. And then Freddie basically kills Rod, makes it look like it looked like a suicide. Nancy tells her dad that Rod did not kill Tina. And she describes who she thinks did it. And the dad knows some stuff. He's doing that fucking distant look like Glenn keeps on doing. You know, the dad takes her home or what? Or no, the mom picks her up or whatever. And the dad's like, are you going to fucking do something about this? And she's like, oh, I'm going to do something about it. It's not real therapy, though. She goes to a sleep study clinic. Yeah. We, I, we, you know, I mean, like I said, that it, for the 80s, incredibly progressive. Ran by none other than Roger Rabbit himself. You know what else we got? We have what? a weird science connection. Oh, my He's God. He's in weird science. Oh, my God. The Who? TV show. He plays a character called Chad Chimp, so I imagine he's just the voice of a chimp in the show. He's the doctor, by the way, so that's always weird to me. Why do they keep casting him as scientists and doctors and shit? It's weird. He says that we don't really know what dreams are back then. Do we know what dreams are now, technically? Is it just kind of the same thing, like synapses firing off in your brain when you're sleeping? Because I read a thing that... Your- I read a thing recently that we don't even know why we sleep. We're not uh, we're not actually sure why we need to sleep. And there are people on earth who do not sleep. So like we don't we don't actually know why we sleep. We just do it. It's something we need to do. We can't function without it, but we don't know why. That's fucking crazy. This is one of the most essential things in our lives. It's a third of almost every human's life, like effectively every human. It's a third of our life. And we don't know why we do it. That is insanity. So Nancy falls asleep. It's fine for a minute. The readings are fine. The dude's like, eh, man, she's dreaming. I mean, she's she's she, you know she's going to sleep. She's dreaming. If if she's having a bad dream, then it'll it'll be my, plus or minus five or six. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. It's on this this number. Like it keeps cutting back to this computer readout, and there's this one column that has these particular numbers in it, and he's referring to that. But they don't really explain to you what that number means. It's kind of vague. I am not a scientist, unfortunately. But he's like, yeah, you know, if she's if she's dreaming, that'll go, you know, that'll go up or down five. She starts dreaming. She starts freaking out. And they go in there to wake her up. Her hair turns white. She's awake. She has a bad cut on her arm. And then she pulls fucking Freddy's hat out from under her blanket. I'm like, well, that would have been useful to see. Like, that's really weird that they just kind of like... Like, oh, fuck, and I also brought his hat back. She pulls out the hat. It's all dirty and gross. The mom looks at it and goes, where the fuck did you get that? That's what that's what her mom sounds like. Where the fuck did you get that? Uh, but she's very concerned about the hat. They get home. Nancy's drinking all sorts of coffee. The mom's like really weirded out about it. I'm like, mom, if you stop drinking all the fucking vodka or whatever you drink, then maybe Nancy will stop drinking some coffee. I get why mom's drinking the vodka. If I was in mom's position, I'd I'd probably have been drinking for the last decade. Also, why does Freddie have his name written in his hat like he's some fucking kindergartner? You got a hat. Hats were expensive. Maybe it blows off. 
you want somebody to know, you know, so you can retrieve it. Keep in mind, this is from before he was discovered to be a child murderer. Glenn and Nancy are going to hang out on this bridge and Glenn's all stressed out. So he's like, when I eat, when I, when I get stressed out or something, I eat. And she's like, if you can't do that, you sleep. So he's eating a cheeseburger or whatever. He didn't even buy her any. Classless loser. That's all I'll say. Then he talks about the Balinese way of dreaming and dream skills and and how that's where most of their art and shit comes from. And she's like, but what do they do if they find a monster? I don't want to go too deep into the dream thing because I don't really understand it, but... She's like, what do they do if they find a monster in their dream? And he's like, they just turn their back on it and, you know, pretend it doesn't exist and takes away its power. Spoiler alert. Foreshadowing. This is going to come back. She's also reading a book on booby traps. Not just booby traps, fucking anti-personnel. Yes, anti-personnel, yes. (laughs) And she's like, he's like, what the fuck are you reading? She's like... (laughs) I like survival. Probably true. Yeah, I mean, that's well, an accurate statement. Yeah. She does. She wants to stay alive. And then Nancy gets home, and there's bars all over the windows and the door, and the door, it gets locked later from inside and shit. Mom's Back when gonna... you could do something like that without taking out a second mortgage. No shit. And it, what, it took her like an hour? Then Mom is going to tell her all about Freddy, because she goes in the house, and Mom's already fucking drunk. Mom is fucked up. <laughs> like she, Mom is in full-on confrontation mode. Nancy's like, uh, Mom, what the fuck? Because Nancy's perfectly sane at this point, because all this shit is actually happening, but nobody believes her. So she's like, Mom, what the fuck is going on? Why are these bars in the window? She's like, for protection, come into the basement with me. I'm like, that's fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, Mom is, uh, I, I honestly, if, if I was Nancy at that point, I'd probably have turned around and run, because Mom is looking like she's ready for a throwdown. A little, uh, little murdery. She, she gets more, she gets more, approachable once they get down into the basement yeah. but i don't think i'd have followed her down into the basement i fucking me the way maybe i fucking <laughs> is the wrong term but like i fuck you it's her daughter you know? like it, it's not fucking but it's like fuck you you know she's just giving her this fuck you get gaze it's very confrontational so they do go down into the basement and now mom's just gonna tell her all about the freddy scenario so freddy was a child murderer originally a child rapist but apparently there was like real child rape going on at the time and they didn't want to feel like they were exploiting that wait there's real child rape i don't believe this. yeah weird right I, I've, I've never heard of anything they, they they changed it to child murderer instead just to be less offensive i guess I think uh, my understanding, it, it, I, I could be misremembering, but I think uh, Robert England actually gets pissy about that to this day, where like he's like, no, Freddie is not a child molester. He's a child murderer. There's a difference. Well, there's definitely a difference. <laughs> there might be some overlap there sometimes. So the idea is that essentially he slipped through the cracks. They got him, but somebody forgot to fill out paperwork the right way, and he got out. So then the parents of elm street or however many parents they're like fuck that so they track they track him down to this abandoned boiler room that he was staying at and where he where that's where he would murder these children and they poured gasoline all over it and lit him up this is this is classic 80s i guess you could call it copaganda where they're like yeah we had all we had all the evidence except someone forgot to sign a warrant somewhere goddamn constitutional rights Okay, so there is there is that, but I 100% buy that the cops or whoever are dumb enough to fucking miss something that mundane to oh, fuck yeah. the whole thing up. Oh yeah, no, I totally do. And honestly, this is one of those rare this is this is one of those few circumstances where you're like, yeah, some street justices do in this case, you know. I'm yeah, I'm not sad about it. You got a guy who who's demonstrably murdering kids and gets off on a technicality. I'm okay with a little street justice there. 
yeah, I'm a little, I'm, I'm like, uh, you know, I wouldn't be so mad if the Punisher popped through and started cracking some skulls every once in a while. I'm not really into capital punishment that way, but, you know, I, I won't be sad. I'm not a proponent of capital punishment, but it's not always the wrong decision. So then we're gonna cut. Then we're gonna cut to Glenn's room because the mom's done with the explanation. Oh, she also pulls out. We're not gonna cut to Glenn's room. Hang on. So the mom also has Freddy's glove in her fucking like furnace, which apparently hasn't been used in like fifteen years or something close to that. Like, who just has a furnace they're not using? In yeah, the yeah, the, yeah. It's weird. What the fuck? Maybe they just got central air. When did central air happen? It it, it admittedly is weird that. Uh, it's weird that she has it she's, in general. That she's hanging on to the evidence of their collective murder of this dude. Don't get me wrong. I understand why they did it, but why would you hold on to the evidence? And how'd they get it also? Like, well, I mean, they got it when they went out there and killed him. Like, I understand that. But from what I get, they didn't like see him or talk to him or anything. They just set him on fire. Like, they just burned the building down. No, no. They went in to the building and, you know, like, like they said they put... They spread gasoline oh, yeah. everywhere. They probably beat the living shit out of him, like to the point where he was unable to escape. Maybe even tied him up. Got to do something, I guess. If it yeah. Been my kid, and he he killed my kid with his freaky five fingered slice glove. Five finger butt punch gloves. <laughs> Ow, Jesus! I hate five finger death punch so much that every time somebody brings them up, I yell five finger butt punch. It's fucking weird that she keeps them though. It is. It's supremely weird. So now we're going to cut to Glenn's room, and he's hanging out there in the sexiest outfit possible. He's got his headphones in, he's listening to his records, he's got this weird little tiny TV, this little box that's just like on his lap, and he's asleep at this point because that's all fucking teenage boys do. No, that was a regular size TV well, for I, that period. I know, but the kids don't know that. The kids who are <laughs> definitely listening to this. That was what my living room TV looked like. That's not an exaggeration well, and at he's all. He's obviously well off then because, like, that's his own t- little TV that oh, he yeah. has. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. his family's solidly middle class, you know, like, they're they're doing good. So Nancy calls him and tells him that she knows who the killer is. Oh, he lives right across the street from her, by the way. So she's like, come to the window so I can see you. It sounds like you're 100 miles away. He's like, no, he's like 20 feet away, but you have bars on your windows weirdo so she's going to again try to rely on glenn to make this plan work but it's not it it wouldn't work anyways but it's definitely not going to work for a reason that we'll get to in a minute the plan is to have glenn beat the shit out of freddie when she pulls him out of the dream because she learned that she could do that when she pulled his hat out yeah because glenn's a real badass as we've definitely seen up to this point and then glenn's mom comes in his room when he's like and he's asleep of course because she oh she's like nancy's like okay midnight we're gonna do it at midnight and he's like all right midnight i'm not gonna fall asleep wink wink it's 11 40 he's got 20 minutes to midnight time frames do not work in this movie we'll get to another one. Oh yeah you ain't kidding <laughs> in about 20 minutes yeah. some shit's about to go down so he's asleep with the, again with the tv like right on his balls and then the record player in his headphones his mom comes in and goes hey how can you watch the tv and listen to the records at the same time he's like oh i wasn't really listening to the tv ma i was just watching and miss nude like, america is gonna be yeah, on miss nude america is gonna be on and he's like she's like how can you hear what she's gonna say and he's like who cares what she has to say i'm like fair enough sir <laughs> he's such a fucking teenager you know what? Let, uh, let's just go the full nine. Who cares what any woman has to say? Oh, as long as they're topless, right? I don't care if she can tell if she was going to tell me I was going to die in 10 minutes as long as she told me topless. Uh, he is going to die in 10 minutes. Actually, probably less than <laughs> That's that. true. And no one's telling him topless. Then we cut back to Nancy's room and she's, you know, 
she's like pretending to be asleep and the mom comes in and she's like okay so you're gonna get this you're gonna get some sleep tonight we're not drinking coffee anymore right she's like no i don't need any more coffee so the mom takes a bunch of coffee cups and this coffee pot and leaves the room nancy <laughs> pops is, up this is com. this is peak comedy right this here. is so stupid i'm like okay what a <laughs> what the fuck b mom you don't smell that you don't hear that you don't nope Nothing. see that like you fucking she gets up and she pulls this enormous <laughs> fucking coffee pot that wouldn't no, fit under no, her no, bed no, 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 this no, coffee no. maker not yeah not a coffee pot yeah, a coffee, coffee machine yeah a coffee machine oh my god it is huge this thing is as big as the tv that was sitting on johnny depp's lap it's ridiculous this is this is like yeah this is comedy is what this is and i don't think we were supposed to be laughing at it i think we were supposed to be completely <laughs> on board here <laughs> Then Nancy looks out the window, you know, and her, Glenn's dad is across the street just creep staring at her. He does not like her one He's little bit. He's not a fan. No. Yeah. He's like, that kid is not hanging out with our son anymore. But he sounds like He's got He's got that fat, squeaky old man voice. The parents in this are so weird. All the parents are weird. I can't even remember if parents were actually like that. Nancy, again, she's all ready to sneak out, but she can't go out the window now. So she opens, it's got bars on yeah, it. She opens the door. Her mom's out there like pulling this hidden bottle of alcohol from the linen closet or whatever. That's a full-on alcoholic. Yeah, when you hide the shit around. Yeah, hidden around the caches of alcohol around the house. You got a problem. Then she just goes inside, calls Glenn, presumably to say, hey, I'm going to be a little late because my mom's kind of drunk and outside my door but glenn's <laughs> mom answers and she's like you know whatever she says and then she tells she tells his dad he's like it's nancy she, she wants to talk to him and, and he grabs the phone from her and says go fuck yourself call back later and then he hangs up and he's like you just have to be firm and then he's like you know what and then he takes the phone off the hook then she tries to call back but then nancy gets another call and she's like hello and, it, and it's all screechy and weird on the other end and she's like what the fuck is this and she Pulls the cord out of the wall. You're not supposed to get any calls if the phone is off, is out of the wall. It's not getting any power. It's not getting a, a signal. And but then the phone starts ringing. It still rings. And then... She, and that's when Nancy's like, fuck. Naturally, it's somebody she doesn't want to talk to. It's for telemarketers. Telemarketers <laughs> sticking their tongues through the phone. Through the phone. <laughs> she, she picks it up and she's like, hello? She answers it so casually uh, and that he's that it's Freddie on the other end going, I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. And that his tongue and his mouth like pop through the, the talky part of the phone <laughs> and it, like, it's like wiggling around. Supposedly, Heather Langenkamp wanted to take that prop home and nobody really knows why. Well, it's fun. I mean, that's that's a that's a fun piece of movie history to have. I hope, yeah, she, but the, got, I hope she took it. But the nobody really knows why thing makes me want to assume that she took it for like sexy, sexy time purposes, <laughs> even though I know that's not true. I assume that's not true. That would be pretty funny. That would be pretty funny. <laughs> it's a pretty funny effect. It's weird and gross. And But now Nancy's trying to get out of the house and everything's locked down. The door is locked from the inside. She is essentially in prison yeah, in her own home. It's one of those deadbolts where it's a key lock on both you sides. You need the key. Yeah, it's fucking creepy. And the mom is just out on the couch. Not, not like passed out but she's like drunk as shit like no key i can't get out no don't have the key on me <laughs> no key no go no go nowhere she says the line you're gonna get some sleep if it kills me foreshadowing and then we cut to glenn's bedroom and of course he's still asleep and 
this is the other iconic scene in the movie where the bed opens up and Freddy pulls him in and blood just squirts on the ceiling. It was really squirts funny. Fucking oh, forget. It's squirt. a geyser. It, it's, it's fucking old, old faithful. faithfuls on the ceiling. <laughs> it was really funny because I was watching it yesterday morning. I think yeah, no, it was like yesterday before we went to our hockey game and Bonnie was in her in her bedroom. She comes out and she's like, "Oh, you watching a scary movie?" And it was it, ju- it just cut to him on the bed. <laughs> It was per- perfect fucking timing because he's like sleeping and then all of a sudden she's like, you watching a scary movie? And then he <laughs> pulls him in and then the blood starts going and she's like, her eyes just get huge. She's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, that a- is the reaction that they want. It's That's a awesome. great effect. It it looks fantastic. Yeah, it, it was really weird how they did it. They like flipped the set upside down. Essentially, yeah. they built it upside down and, and they, they pour yeah. so much blood through there. And Bonnie's question was obvious. Do people have that much blood in them? I'm like, no. <laughs> Not even close. That's no. that's three bathtubs full of blood, for sure. Minimum. Do you think that was also Wes Craven going like, all right, Sam, you fucking did the thing. I'm going to do it bigger than you. Well, they hadn't done Evil Dead 2 at this point. But in Evil Dead, he still breaks the pipe and there's just blood yeah weird yeah. stuff yeah like he was he he was definitely escalating it at this point it's such a good scene it really is like it's so iconic for a reason yeah this movie's pretty legitimately scary if it, you're, that terrified yeah. me when i was a kid because you're taking him at his most vulnerable like he's lying on his bed that traditionally you know in in, in the historical lexicon of childhood superstition the bed is your safe place it's home base it's where you get to hide and be safe from the monster and the monster reaches out of the bed and pulls him in not from under the bed mind no, you from literally the from bed. Yeah. it's terrifying such a good scene. Like under the bed, that tracks, right? That's where the sure. boogeyman lives. Sure, you expect that. This Not is, literally this, from the bed itself. The bed turned on him. It, it's a great sequence. So there's a blood geyser happening in Glenn's room, and Mom walks in just in time to see the show. Lucky. You want to talk about traumatizing. Yeah, so she screams, as any parent would. Uh, then we cut down to the front yard, and it's, it's been a l- little bit of time. 911 has been called. These ambulance guys pull out a stretcher, and then a cop goes... You don't need a stretcher. You'll need a mop. Sensitive. <laughs> That's like the guy in Hot Rod who comes out of the who comes out of the house after Frank has a heart attack, and he's like, "I give the old man a week." And the <laughs> other and the other guy goes, "Really insensitive, Bob." <laughs> some some good bedside manner there. At least he didn't. At least he didn't say it to the parents. I guess. And Nancy's dad, of course, shows up, and it confused me for, like, a fraction of a second because I forgot they were divorced. They're like, oh, I'm sorry to call you at home. I'm like, it's across the street. No. It's not across the street. They're They're divorced. They're decidedly divorced. And it took me, like, Like, way too long to remember that. That's one thing I'll say for John Saxon, like, because, you know, like, I joke about him being the star of the movie. But the second he walks into that room, you can tell they're divorced. It does not need to be said. They do not like each other very much. No. This was a hard 80s divorce. Yeah. That was that was an unamicable divorce. There was bitterness. There is probably a lot of alimony going through there to the point where he wants he wouldn't be sad if she died. He'd be sad for Nancy. Yeah. The mom never goes to work. I don't we don't know if she has a job. That's why I'm saying there's there's a large alimony payment involved. He definitely lives in a shitty apartment by himself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Shitty studio. Probably. And Nancy's watching him through the window and, you know, they like Nancy is apparently traumatized to the point where she can't even feel shit anymore because her dad waves and she just kind of waves back. Nancy's been through some real shit at this point. She's lost three of her friends 
aunt, two of her friends plus a boyfriend like and and she's literally still dealing with the like nobody's even told her the boyfriend's dead but she knows she knows she knows he's dead like why else would they all be there we get inside the house and blood is actually leaking down from the ceiling that's the only thing i'd say where like this jumps the shark because Within the realm of the dream, like the giant blood geyser makes sense. But once you bring it back into reality, human bodies don't bleed that much. Well, yeah. See, yeah, the rules just don't really. So I don't know what's what here. I'm okay with it. It doesn't ruin the movie for me, but it's a little ridiculous. So Nancy then calls across the street and tells her dad who actually did it. And she's like, it's it's fucking Freddy, man. And he's like, oh, yeah, Freddy. And he looks to his partner. My daughter's fucking nuts. He think his daughter might be crazy, but he's not sure yet. Because I don't think there, there, it doesn't seem like there's a way that it seems like they're really surprised when she knows about Freddy, like she yeah. doesn't know about him, because or maybe they shouldn't. know like of him, but they don't know what he looks like, don't know like what he's wearing, and yeah, but the she kids keeps on describing that. The kids shouldn't be able to describe all that shit because they they buried it when they were still really little. Any more than oh, there was a serial killer named Freddy. Yeah, I mean that probably obviously the rhyme has gone around. You yeah. know, one two, Freddy's coming for you. So like that makes sense, but yeah, like she shouldn't be able to describe his outfit so now she's gonna try to rely on her dad she's like i'm gonna go to sleep i'm gonna pull freddy out you're gonna get him right you're gonna arrest him she says again this is one of those moments where this was probably formative for me as a parent because when i saw this you know like i'm watching john saxon he's like yeah honey i'll be over don't worry i'll be over in 20 minutes just like you asked me to and he's like hey keep an eye on my daughter's yeah. house you know he's like he's not paying attention so like when my kids would ask me things even if it seems stupid i would still try and follow through on it just in case yeah. like re- I'm, I'm talking specifically about like ghosts nightmares right, uh, right for example my daughter i think i may have mentioned this on the podcast before but my daughter was really into creepypastas and jeff the killer i don't know if you ever heard of jeff the killer. i yes yeah, so she was terrified of Jeff the Killer, so she'd be like, Dad, could you come in and check and, and you know look in my closet and stuff? But I actually would look. I wouldn't just pretend to. I would actually oh, look. well, that's nice of you. Because, I, because of movies like this and The Monster Squad, where the parents didn't pay attention and their kids either died or almost died. And I was like, you know what? You know what? I know it's not real, but just in case but maybe there is a dude living in my daughter's closet just in case suddenly a pocket of unreality opens up and jeff the killer steps through it it's not gonna happen i know it's not gonna happen (laughs) but let's just do it just in case what what could it hurt if i actually check under the bed that's very good that that that's that's very nice of you but i'm way less concerned about that (laughs) and way more concerned about what 20 minutes means to these people oh my god yeah like i'm watching her i'm like that's three hours of work she just put in that would take me three hours so yes there's a lot of shit going on in 20 minutes it's technically 10 minutes all this stuff that she does she does all of it is 10 minutes she puts up like this giant she's basically doing home alone traps in her bedroom yeah except she empties like 40 shotgun shells into a light bulb yeah one at a time room i guess one at a time she empties these shotgun. She, not only that, she also cuts the light bulb open. She takes the time to do that. Then she rigs a sledgehammer on as a deadfall to a trap. She puts together this other trap with a string and the light bulb and all that shit. Like, this is three hours of work. This would take me all afternoon. And she did it in 10 minutes. Less no, no, excuse me. Five minutes, five minutes maybe. And then has a conversation yeah. with her mother. Yeah. All that in 10 minutes because then when, by the time she sets the clock... 
for the 20 minutes that her dad was supposed to be there at, she sets it for 10 minutes. So it was a stretch to say that you were going to fall asleep and get Freddy in 20 minutes by itself. Just, just Oh, to be able to fall asleep like a teenager again. You know, so now you're going to do it in 10 minutes and not even 10 minutes. How long is it going to take you to actually fall asleep? And then you have to be there to get Freddy. I know dream time works a little differently, but you don't know that yet. That's never been brought up here. <laughs> no, if anything, dream time seems to be a one-to-one in this yeah. universe. Because there's the whole thing, you know, with, with uh, uh, what's her name, Tina? Tina, yep. Tina getting her chest slashed and then getting drug up the wall. That's all in real time. That's confusing, and I'm thinking about it too hard, <laughs> when really we just need to move on. Because Nancy's fucking dreaming now. She did it. She fell asleep. She's in the dream world. She's in the basement. She's looking for Freddy's glove, but it's gone. Then she opens some random door in the basement that I'm pretty sure is not there in the real world, and then it goes down even further into a boiler room. She finds Glenn's headphones. Not a fan of that. She doesn't. She's not happy about that. They're covered in blood. They are covered in blood. Then Freddy pops up and he chases her. She falls through a random opening somewhere and ends up in her front yard because she felt she basically falls out of her bedroom window. No, she jumps out of. Uh, she she jumps off like a. It's like a landing or something okay. like that, isn't it? Like down, like there's some stairs going. That's right. That's right. But it's there's still a random opening. Staircase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's going down it. Freddy chases her down it, and she decides to jump off the staircase instead of continuing to circle around, and she lands in her front yard because dream logic. The timer's about to go off and wake her up. So like, like her, her watch is like counting down. It actually says 10 seconds. Like and it it's counting down fucking fast. It's like 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. So she's one of the ballsiest final girls of the 80s. I will give her that. Yes. She looks at Freddy and screams and runs at him. And jumps on him, like like <laughs> leaps on him. Yeah. So because like, she knows right she's got to be holding him in order to get him out. And we all know the final girl trope. She has not been yeah, there's, tainted. There, there's, never, there's never been any uh, 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 corrupting of her supple young flesh. But, oh, God, know. I feel creepy just even saying that. <laughs> Tina died first for a reason, because she's a slut. She had sex with her boyfriend? Ugh. Uh, I know. Damn kids. Filthy, filthy, dirty, evil. (laughs) So the alarm goes off, and Freddy's not there. She wakes up, Freddy's not there. But the, like, gazebo or whatever, what what is that thing called? It's a piece from the yard in the dream is in her bedroom now. the trellis. The trellis, yeah. So I'm like, well, that's there. And then... Of course, Freddy's like, poof, I'm here, bitch. But he doesn't say poof, I'm here, bitch, because, but he would. Again, if, yeah, if, if this, this were if, two movies yeah. later. <laughs> he would literally say, poof, I'm here, bitch. He chases her through the house. Well, no, he doesn't chase her through the house yet. He chases her out of her bedroom, essentially, and then she locks him in her bedroom. Then she runs to the window, yells for her dad. Not before setting the booby trap of he the got, sledgehammer. Oh, yeah, you gotta set the, the sledgehammer booby trap that doesn't do a goddamn thing. Well, I mean, it, it does it hits him in the hammer nuts. him in the chest pretty hard. <laughs> Does it hit him in the nuts or the no, chest? it hits him in the chest. It, I feel like it hits him in the nuts. No, it hits him in the chest. I want to say it hit him in the nuts. So the cop that the dad said told to watch her is out there. She's like, get my dad. He's like, he's busy. Something. I don't know. He's just not getting it. Like, and she's this like, guy is so nonchalant. She's screaming. Yeah. And he's like, eh, fucking kids. She's like hysterical. Get women. my dad, you asshole. And I'm like, oh, I like her. She's and cool. And he, when, he, when she says that, he goes, well, maybe, maybe I, I should. Maybe I should. <laughs> Maybe I should go get him. No oh, rush God. to it. 
Freddy then he gets through the door and gets a sledgehammer. I said to the balls, I swear to God, I give got him in the nuts. Either way, chest nuts doesn't do a goddamn thing. Then he falls down the stairs. Does he trip over something or does he? Is he just like oh? And then he just falls because the tripwire's downstairs to do the light. Yeah, I'm not clear yeah. on this one. Then he hits the hits the tripwire that's down in the living room and the light bulb turns on. You know the one that's filled with all the gunpowder. It explodes, kind of burns him a little bit. Doesn't again doesn't do anything. She tried, but good on her. I mean, you know, it it sends him to the floor. It hurt him for a second. They go to the basement, and then she throws, like, a jar of gas or something flammable on him, oh, and then a, she... It's a can of gas. Okay. Uh, was it a can? Yeah. Because it's glass. Oh, she throws no, it like, you're yeah. right. You're right. She has, she has like, a, a jug or a pitcher or a something jug, she yeah. filled with gas. That's right. And she throws it, and it shatters on him. Yep. And then she sets his ass on fire. This scares, And it's This fire. actually scares him. <laughs> Freddie being afraid of fire actually does make sense, and it... It is established that he freaks the fuck out when he does not like to be burned again. Before she even yeah. lights it, he's like, "No!" <laughs> and then she throws the match. Foosh! And this dude is really on fire. Yes, for a while. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about anybody being hurt on this set, but this dude's on fire for quite a bit. Well, I mean, they have the mask on him, so I'm sure underneath the stuntman had like a he lot looks. Of he's a lot thicker, but yeah, he probably had multiple layers of that like fire retardant material as well as I do the cooling gel that they put on you know I do appreciate though that with the dude being in the suit and stuff like you can tell it's a little thicker but at least it doesn't look like a guy in a suit on fire yeah like because no, you can always you can always see those yeah. in those older movies no it, it looks it, it yeah. looks about as good as you could at that time because I mean the, the trouble with it is of course it looks like Freddie got a little fat. Well, that's the thing. Robert <laughs> England is so fucking skinny. Yeah. So he's just burning. He's just burning. And then he starts running through the whole house, chasing her up the stairs and shit. And that fire is real. And Heather Langenkamp is walking around on the fire with oh, no yeah. shoes on. No, she's uh, she's full on stunt woman at, at this point. Yeah. And it's her. Like, they, they yeah. pan down. Like, it's on her face. And then they pan down to her walking through the fire. And yeah, that, that yeah. fire, actually, I was I was looking at it. And those little fires that they had legit. going yeah. around for, like, his footsteps and shit. Like, the... Those were burning. Yeah, they were. I'm, like one I'm of nervous. one of them gets caught in a draft from the front door being open, and it kind of swirls up. Like those, those were really going. Those little whatever they had placed for it to burn, they were going. Yeah, he had gone back upstairs, and then Nancy follows him. So Dad also follows her, and then they end up in this room, and you can see Freddie's room. Mom's room. Yes, Freddie's on fire on top of the mom. What even happens here? There's I don't fucking like. John Saxon comes in, throws the blanket on top of Freddy, and just smothers the flames. And then Freddy's gone. <laughs> yeah, he pulls the blank. He pulls the blanket back, and Freddy's gone. But there's Mom floating over this Mom's corpse. Yeah, like burned really badly. Like bones are coming through and everything. And uh, and she's over this void, and she sinks down into the void, and then the bed rematerializes over it. And it actually it looks pretty good. It does look good. But none of this makes any fucking sense. No. Like, what the hell's this happening? This is supposed to be the real world, not the dream. Yeah. But that actually leads me to my personal theory about the thing. Because when she does her thing at the end where, you know, because Freddie reappears out of the bed after Dad leaves. And she's like, I take back all the energy I gave you. I want them all back. You know, I'm, I'm not giving you any more of my energy. And she turns her back on him. And then he vaporizes, basically. I think she's been dreaming this whole time. It's dream within a dream within a dream. And then she wakes up from the dream into, and I mean, obviously, it's another dream. She's waking up into this other dream. 
And in that dream, all her friends are back. Her mom is back. And then they get in the car and, you know, this takes us to the end. And then, but it turned, but then Freddie, you know, the, the car, the car drop top closes in Freddie's Freddie's colors. colors. And then Freddie reaches out of the window and grabs mom by the throat and pulls her, pulls her through the window into the house. His cackling the end of the movie, right? I would contend that this whole thing has been a dream. Like the whole thing, start to finish is a dream because I don't I don't know if you if you've ever had dream within a dream happen to you I know it doesn't happen for everybody it has only happened to me a handful of times not even a handful like two times but when it does happen it can seem like it goes on for a really long time so I think that's probably what Wes Craven's thinking in this first movie was the mythology like down the line took some liberties and adapted it but that's what I think was probably Wes Craven's thinking going into this is that the whole thing was actually a dream. I had a thought, not a theory like that, but right after the mom like sinks into the bed and the dad leaves, or not, not even when the dad leaves, I'm like, dude, if this was made like in the 2020s, the movie would be over right now. Like, I feel like they would be dickish enough to just be like, Freddy's gone, the mom died, all our friends are dead, the dad and the daughter are just there, and he's just gone, and the movie's over. Which would be fucking awesome. And it would just leave people pissed off and it would make me happy. Well, I mean, obviously we had set up, or Craven rather, had set up the whole, what did he call it? The Balinese. Balinese. That's right. The Balinese dream. So it had had to to go, but yeah. So he does come back. And she does turn her back on him, like you said. She's like, fuck you, you're shit, I just want my friends back. And he's like, what? Then he, he like, lunges for her as she's like, I don't believe in you, fuck off, this is just a dream. And then he turns into, like, static. Yeah, she just she just turns her back on him and... And then it's weird when it transitions, too, from, from that to the next scene. She, like, opens the door, walks out, and she's like, it's so bright outside, but it's all foggy. And then her mom's like... Got this real distant look in her eyes going like, it's so bright, it's going to break soon, or whatever the fuck she says. Oh, she was saying it'll burn off soon. Burn off, yeah. That's so bright, meaning all the fog, because there's a lot of fog. Yeah. And I think I'm going to stop drinking. It's just the right thing to do, or whatever. I just don't feel like it I just don't feel anymore. like it anymore. I'm like, okay. <laughs> We're definitely in the dream <laughs> zone now. And all of her friends are alive again. And then Freddy fucking murders everybody. Uh, yeah, I'm saying it was all a dream. So, is it like a real dream and everybody's actually dead? Not necessarily. Or did she murder um, all of her friends and her mom and fucking she's like in a mental institution somewhere? No, I think she comes out of this and uh, I think that there is a chapter of this story that we didn't get between one and three because in three she comes back. And I think there's a chapter between one and three where the real story plays out and it it's it's a little different from this, but it's not this story because this story is a dream. Her friends may have died. Her friends may have died because it might be one of those like shared dream situations you know like this they establish in three that shared dreaming happens within this universe so i'm thinking based on the information in three if you want it to be a consistent mythology start to finish the friends do die that are killed in this in this dream world but the whole movie was a dream and in the end she wakes up and she has survived but you know she has to go through some go through some therapy and shit. I think we're done. I think that is A Nightmare on Elm Street. Do you have any other final thoughts on this kind of wacky, weird movie? Uh, it's, you know, it it's an established classic at this point for a good reason. There's not really anything like it. The closest thing would probably be the movie Dreamscape, which came out around the same time 
and I think it was trying to capitalize on the popularity of A Nightmare on Elm Street, if I remember correctly. It was a little more PG, you know, not not as R-rated. Uh, I think it was like PG-13, but it was it was much tamer than this, but still had some scary shit. It starred Dennis Quaid. But uh, this, is, this is a really good movie. I think a sleepover is a great place to experience this for the first time, but I may be biased because that's where I experienced it for the first time. But it, it, yeah, it's a horror classic for a reason. If horror movies are important to you, I, I do think that this is a necessary addition to your lexicon. Well, horror movies are definitely important to me, so I would agree with you. It's it's part of the the big... I always say the big four because of the metal thing, but... Like, he, this, this is one of the iconic slashers, you know, Jason, Michael, Freddy, Chucky, Pinhead to a lesser extent, I guess. Well, Pinhead, I, I wouldn't really call Pinhead a slasher. He's not a slasher at all. But. I'm a little reluctant to call this a slasher because, you know, Freddy's more of a demon than anything. Yeah, it does have that thing, though, and it, the body count's real low. Yeah, this is more akin to Halloween than it is any of the other ones because, the you know, only three people die in that one, really, like, I mean, it, in the bulk of it. But it's an escalating thing, yeah. you know. It's like it's like the first one. And then the it just gets fucking lower, ridiculous. And it just starts yeah. going up and up and up as the movies progress. It's definitely playing with a lot of those tropes. It's, right. ju- it's just the fact that he's, you know, he's, he's so not based in the real world <laughs> yeah. that that makes me reluctant to he's a supernatural slasher slasher. category yeah same thing with uh pinhead like i I wouldn't put pinhead uh, technically i mean i guess pinhead never really kills anybody does he he harvests their souls and takes them down to hell where they're tormented for eternity but so he's an actual demon he doesn't actually come with a with a with anything sharp and go "Eh, eh, eh." so yeah this 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 movie's kind of awesome it is. It it's is. pretty scary. Practical effects. Most of them are pretty good. It's good At stuff. least the first three movies. Well, and and the very last, not you know the last Freddy mainline one that's really about Freddy, not about Freddy and Jason, are all really good. Like one, two, and three, and Wes Craven's New Nightmare. All of those are excellent. I'm excited to break into it because now I, I'm feeling ambitious. I don't remember for some of the other ones, and I have not seen. Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare at all. So, uh, so I'm not going to speak to those. But 1, 2, 3, and New Nightmare are all really good. Well, uh, we'll find out one of these days. But hey, I think that does it. That does it for A Nightmare on Elm Street. This it, It's done. That That's cool. And of course, it's Halloween. So next week, we're going to come at you with Halloween 6, which is how about some social media? You can follow us on everything at the Shark Pod and Patreon, patreon.com slash Sharks Across Hollywood. You can listen to us talk about other shit like Friday the 13th that we won't talk about on our main feed, among other things. There's lots of kung fu and lots of B-movies, lots of, lots of dumb shit. Give us money so you can binge all of our patreon episodes yeah i think that's it we'll be back next week with halloween six what'd you say it was the curse of michael myers of michael myers will we wrap up that thorn trilogy on a high note i doubt it no we won't (laughs) we definitely won't we'll find out next week uh but until then stage awesome 